If you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. This is a, um, a quote attributed to Benjamin Franklin, and whether or not he said it, he could have said it. Franklin was a master planner. He was especially dedicated to time management and to avoid wasting even a second. And so he sought to account for every minute of every day for his entire adult life. Um, some other famous aphorisms about um, planning and time management. Don't put off until tomorrow what you can do today. This is from Franklin. Lost time is never found again. Early to bed, early to rise makes one healthy, wealthy, and wise. Many people think that comes from the Bible. No, Benjamin Franklin. Lose no time, he says. Be always employed in something useful. Cut off all unnecessary actions. Planning leads to success. Time management leads to success. One must plan to succeed or one is planning to fail. And naturally, American business and Western business has picked up on this, and they love Franklin for his, his commitment to productivity. Um, if you're going to pay people to work, you want them to be productive. Universities have picked up on this, uh, the, the idea of mastering time management and to, to be um, you know, effective with every minute of every day. I think this uh, one school was called a WTI, it was Washington Technical Institute or something like that. I found on there where their, their advice to students on their website was a, a, to take these quotes from Franklin and then apply them in with some instruction. So here are a few. If you, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail, they, they point out. Make a to-do list, they say. It's best to make it the night before. Oh, I know some of you list makers out there. There are some people right here who have a list in their shirt pocket right now or in their purse. There are a a things to-do list. Um, He also says an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. And WTI goes on to say study, uh, schedule time to study even if you don't have a test or anything that's due the next day. Oh, anybody who's ever taught a class or university, you know this, Dr. Nettie, we know this, right? Plans to study all the time, even if you don't have a test. Lose no time, they quote Franklin as saying, be always employed in something useful, cut off all unnecessary actions. WTI goes on to say, take a realistic look at how you spend your time each day and determine what causes procrastination. Internet surfing, social media, chatting with coworkers, and either limit yourself or cut it off altogether. Oh, such good advice to university students, right? Success in life depends on planning, and planning keeps its eye on success. That's a Joe Boisel quote right there, and I'll charge you no extra for that at all. You, you have to plan, right? If you're going to succeed, it requires a plan. You have to plan, and then you have to work. And when you get knocked down and when you fail, you have to get up and you have to try again. And when your plan doesn't get you to success, you have to refocus your plan. You have to work on it. I also went and checked out some um, company uh, mission statements. And what's their plan to succeed? Microsoft. Our mission is to empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. Oh, my word. Did you catch the audaciousness of this, right? Every person and every organization on the entire planet. What will success look like? It will look like every single person on the planet using Microsoft software. Well, 
I guess it's measurable, isn't it? Anyway, Squarespace, another one. It, it, Squarespace is a, um, a web hosting company, so they, they allow you to make your own website and post it. Squarespace empowers people with creative ideas to succeed. Oh, are you creative? Do you want to succeed? Squarespace is the place for you. They've got it all. And I like how um, they've already accomplished their mission. It's not... Our mission is to, but they actually have already said it, empowers people. Um, Starbucks, to inspire and nurture the human spirit. One person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. Well, I thought it was kind of lovely, you know, to uh, inspire and nurture. That seems like a, 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 a kind and generous goal. Um, charitably, when will that happen? Well, every time that they... Nurture someone's spirit with a cup of something. Maybe um, less charitably, since I know that they have locations across the street from one another, um, when they are in every person's neighborhood all over the country. Maybe that's when success will be achieved. Um, if you want to succeed, you need to plan to succeed. Not planning is planning to fail. Failing to plan is, is, is planning to fail. Um, the world's best thinkers. It goes back even further than Franklin. Aristotle. Um, there's, a, uh, there's a quote from a fellow, John Foster, who wrote for the Pathfinder Group. It's a consulting firm that helps companies when they're not really succeeding to, to refocus their plans. And, and, um, and Foster writes that Aristotle uh, used metaphor as a means of helping people to refocus their strategic plans. Because when you can think analogically, you can take dissimilar things and make them similar. A lot of thinking about success and planning that goes back as long as humans have been recording their thoughts. I think St. Peter was a good business person. I think he was um, had a very good acumen for business and was a masterful fisherman. The Bible is silent on this point, but I'm inclined to think so because he has that one instinct that every great salesperson I've ever known has, and that is um, not allowing thought and reflection to be an obstruction to speaking. <laughs> he can just talk without taking a moment to think about what it is that he's saying. And it gets him in trouble all the time in the Gospels. If you read the Gospels and, and, and watched it and, and just kind of understood St. Peter from a, from a very human level, you would see scenes like this on the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember, Peter, James, and John go with Jesus up to this mountain. And this magical event takes place. Out of thin air, Moses and Elijah appear. And they begin talking with Jesus. I mean, it's a stunt. And then they disappear. And Jesus shines like the sun. It's a holy moment. It's a moment that calls for, you know, for subtlety and reflection and solemnity. But not with Peter. He blurts out, let's build three shrines. <laughs> one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Again, the Gospels are silent, but I think Jesus might have, like, you know, rubbed his head, you know, really. No, this is not why you're here. Oh, in another instance, Jesus is, is sitting somewhere, and, and parents are bringing their young children to him. And Jesus is laying hands on them and blessing these children. And, and Simon Peter sees this, and he begins to shoo them away. Get out of here. Go, go, go. Not, you know that you're bothersome. And you know what Jesus says to him, right? Let these little children come to me. Stop doing that. Let these little children come to me, for such is the kingdom of God. 
One more. Um, one day Jesus is walking uh, along the road and um, there's a shouting match that goes on behind him. Simon Peter and James and John are up in the front and they're arguing with one another. And it sort of breaks out into a full on argument among all the disciples among this subject. Who's the greatest among us? And you know who thought he was the greatest among them, right? Simon Peter. Mark tells us that Jesus waits until he gets into a house, pulls a little child in and uses this little child as an object lesson. This is what greatness looks like. The one who serves is great, not the one who has great rank. And so it is that Peter just constantly blurts things out without, you know, taking a moment for reflection and thought. But sometimes, sometimes he gets it right. I mean, he's not a buffoon. He's he's just eager, impetuous, reckless sometimes. But he's also spiritual. And he's also, uh, you know, alert to what's going on in the world. And, and so Jesus asked a question one time. Um, who is it that people are saying that I Who do people say that I am? This was last week's gospel lesson. Who do people say that I am? None of the other disciples speak up. Simon Peter does, though, doesn't he? And what does he say? He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus' response was effusive with praise. Blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. You know, he had to, St. Peter had like a fist pump right there, like score, you know, this is, I got it. I was right. And it's right on the heels of that conversation. I mean, it's a, it's still lingering in the air. The praise, the, the, the congratulations are lingering in the air. And Jesus begins to tell his friends his plan. And you heard the plan, right? I have to go to Jerusalem. And I think when he says that, heads begin to nod. I have to go to Jerusalem. Yes, I'm sure. I mean, it would be like a politician that we could all see with, you know, great, uh, you know, skill and, uh, you know, destined for greatness. And we would and, and that politician says it's necessary for me to go to Washington. And we would all say, yes, of course. A young woman who's a great artist or or, uh, you know, great with business says I have to go to New York. And we would be like, of course you do. Well, that makes sense. Jesus says, I have to go to Jerusalem. From that time on, Matthew says, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. Day, a little word in, in, in Matthew's Greek, it's necessary. It's required. It's essential that I go to Jerusalem. Again, makes perfect sense. Jerusalem, the seat of government. It's it's the, the, the place where the temple is. This is where the priests are. It's where the scholars are. It's where the elders, the, the power brokers are. Of course you have to go to Jerusalem. But then things get a little murkier, don't they? I mean, this is we were good with this plan. This plan sounded perfect. Go to Jerusalem until Jesus continues. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scholars, the scribes, and be killed. <laughs> what kind of plan is this? This is nonsense. This is the worst plan ever. This is a bad plan. You know, this can't be. 
did anybody hear anything about dying out in Microsoft's uh, mission statement? <laughs> did they say, you know, it, the, the success will be when this company no longer needs to exist? No, not in Squarespace or Starbucks or anybody else's. Why? Because that's not success. Death is not success. Dying out, going away is not success. Let me get this right, Jesus. You have a plan. And your plan is to fail. <laughs> I mean, that's no plan at all. It's a terrible plan. And so Simon Peter does the only reasonable thing. I mean, the only, the first time somebody, you know, has to stand up and take charge, here he is. Verse 22. So Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you. This shall never happen to you. Break this down just a little bit, can I? Simon Peter took Jesus aside. You've been taken aside before, right? You, you know what this is like. Somebody's taken you aside. Peter takes Jesus aside. I mean, charitably again, he wants to protect his reputation, right? Um, Jesus is the leader. You don't want to, you don't want to, you know, ridicule him or, you know, kind of go against him, oppose him in front of everybody. So you, you take him aside. When I was a little boy, my mother used to take me aside. <laughs> Usually because she wanted to say some things to me that she didn't want everybody to hear. You know, some things needed to be said when she took me aside. Simon Peter takes Jesus aside. And you see the power dynamics at play here too, right? Who takes whom? Is that way it goes? <laughs> Who's taking the side? <laughs> Simon Peter takes Jesus. Simon Peter decides where the aside is going to be. He decides the location of where they're going to go. He is in charge. He's leading. He's the one who's about to give advice. And the power dynamic continues with, with this warning. No, you know, understand how serious this matter is, Jesus. This is a remarkably stupid idea. Far be it from you. No way. I'll not have it. This is preposterous. Matthew records it him saying, this will never happen to you. Verse 23. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. Um, a scandal. A scandal on. You are a scandal to me. For you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on the things of humanity, things of man. One minute. Blessed are you. Congratulations, Simon Barjona. My Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Very next second, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. Um, in Luke's Gospel, the